This weekly broadcast is presented to you by Cornerstone Bible Center, located in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you subscribe to this podcast, please send us an email at in-depth-bible-teaching at yahoo.com. And now, here's our teacher, Alex Del Percio. Men and cattle were to be sanctified or devoted to the Lord. Now, the firstborn meant that they would have certain privileges and certain responsibilities. For example, the firstborn uh, would receive a double portion of the inheritance. And also there would be a, a leadership thing where they would become leader of the family and so on. So it seems as though from the very beginning the Lord had something in mind as far as the Israelites that he wanted to do something special with them as a, as a people. Now turn to Exodus 19. Moving along here. Exodus 19, verse 6. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. Or you could say, say this two ways. You could say, you shall be unto me consecrated ones. So, so he's, he's making this thing broader here, it seems, it seems in this verse. And a holy nation, these are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children, etc., etc. So the Lord wanted to develop, I believe, the characteristics that you see in the priest, in the individual Israelites. You shall be unto me a peculiar people, or you shall be unto me a nation of priests. And so, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but see, it's, it's not, we, we view in this country many times um, the laity as being, you know, here and, you know, the, the hierarchy of the church being here. These are the sanctified ones, these ones, you know, are, are not sanctified, if you know what I'm saying. There, there's... But, but God, when he, he viewed this in the beginning, he wanted to sanctify everyone. He wanted everyone to be consecrated unto him. Now, in Exodus 32, so he wants these, as I see that verse, he wants these um, attributes of the priest, you know, the characteristic, godly characteristics to be in everyone, in the people. In Exodus 32, you have the failure of Israel with the golden calf. Moses goes up to the mount, and you have the failure of the people. They put pressure on Aaron, and, and you know the story. But look in verse 26. Then Moses stood, stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. So here you have this division where there are those who have idolatry in their heart, represented by the, the golden calf that, that they made, and they weren't willing to let that go. And so Moses says, okay, who is on the Lord's side? Come, come over here with me. And it says here that all the, all the Levites responded to him. 
and you know the story, he says, okay, now take out your swords and go through the camp and kill all those of your brethren that have not come and stood on the Lord's side. And so they killed like 3,000 people because of the lack of consecration on the part of the Israelites. So here you see the Levites, all of them respond. And I think that's why God used, probably two reasons why that I could see in the scripture that God chose the Levites to be the priests. This is one of them because of their, of their zeal for the Lord. And, and the second one is probably because they were the least number of all the tribes. They were less than half of the smallest tribe. I think Manassas was the smallest tribe uh, of the Israelites. And, and that was probably because they only need so many people to do all the function of, of the temple, the, the tabernacle. Okay. Now we go to Numbers 3. Numbers 3, verse 12. So now here in Numbers, it seems as though the Lord is becoming a little more specific in what he wants to do now. 3.12. And I, behold, I have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel instead of all the firstborn that opened the matrix among the children of Israel. Therefore, the Levites shall be mine. So the Levites now would be the ones that God is going to choose to be devoted to his service, to the service of the temple, and, of course, the service to the people. So, so now you have those here that are going to be called out, consecrated, or however you want to say it, separated for a particular purpose that God has in mind. Do you know what God has in mind for you as a Christian? Do you have a little view of it? You could have no clue. You could have a little view of something maybe the Lord is, is using you or wants to use you in. Or the Lord can, can be, as if some of you, where he's starting to open it up even more, what God wants to do. Called out for a purpose. Now, in Leviticus 21, then we're going to go to chapter 8 or 9. Leviticus 21, verse 10. Now you see in this verse here that if a person is going to be used or called out for a particular purpose that God has in mind, whatever that may be, that as they start to move in that, God um, he will call from their heart and life greater separation or greater consecration to him in the middle of whatever it is that he's calling them to do. Now in verse 10 it says, And he that is a high priest among his brethren, upon whose head the anointing oil was poured, and that is consecrated, and that is consecrated to put on the garments, shall not uncover his head nor rent his clothes. So, so in this verse, he's saying, okay, now you're going to be called out and consecrated as high priest, and you know, that, you know how they poured the oil on the head of Moses, oh, excuse me, on the head of Aaron. 
And uh, it says there that the oil ran down upon him, upon his beard, and so on, upon his clothes. Now, uh, in the context of, of, of chapter 8, it shows how the, the high priest dressed himself in the garb of the high priest. Now, once the individual is called out for a purpose, like the high priest, he says here to, to the high priest, and this, I'm trying to, to get this, you know, to understand what's going on here and how that relates to us. With the high priest, he, when he was in this office and moving under this anointing, he was not even allowed to mourn or to leave the sanctuary, to go to the funeral. Even it says, there's a scripture, um, I think it's in 21. I'm not there. Is anybody still in 21? Verse 11, what's verse 11? Does it say about the mother and father? This is NIV now. He must not enter a place where there is a dead body. Okay. Okay, so even if his parents were to die, the importance of his consecration and the anointing upon him, he was not to leave the, the, the tabernacle and, and, and mourn. He was not to rent his clothes. That was something that they, that they did back then as a sign of mourning. And we'll see this next week when it comes to Nadab and Abihu. But that's how important the consecration of the priest was. That he had to, it's not that he wouldn't have sadness in his heart, but if he's in the middle of this, and he's uh, being used, of course, in the sacrifices and, and all that, he's not to, to depart from that for any earthly reason. He's to stay there where he's supposed to be. Now, I, I was actually thinking about that, and that's kind of a hard thing to ask. I mean, just think if someone in your family would die. I'm, I'm talking about in the case of the priest here, that they had to just continue on at that point and, and do what they were doing and, until that was, was finished. So that's how important the consecration is as far as God is concerned. Now, as God calls us to whatever he's calling us to, what he's calling you to, you must keep before your heart that which God is doing in your life and what he wants to do in your life. And not allow other things to interfere. Now, I'm not saying by any means you can't go to a funeral. I'm just saying that there is an importance there that, that the heart is to be toward him, moving toward him, you know, desiring to be consecrated in the, in the manner that God wants, regardless of what's going on around us. Now, the dedication, which is very interesting, was not limited to the priesthood. You remember Hannah prayed for a child, and she says that if you give me a child, I will give him back to you. And so we know the story. She becomes pregnant, and she devotes Samuel to God's service, and she takes him up to the temple and presents him to the priest. 
and goes home. So now you have Samuel with Eli, the priest, learning uh, the different functions of a priest in the service of the, of the temple. And Samuel was not a Levite. So, so this thing here, this of consecration, is not limited to a specific group. Actually, Samuel was a priest, he was a prophet, and he was a judge. Why all those? Probably because of the consecration of his life. God was able to use him in, in different things. Okay, now let's go to Leviticus 9. Now last week, we started to look at some of these verses, and I'm just going to go down here and comment on them. We looked at verse 10. Actually, we stopped at verse 11 last week, but <clears throat> verse 10 talks about the fat. And remember, the fat of the offering was the, the best. That's what God, what God wanted them to present to him, that which was the best of the offering, uh, that which God is calling for you personally as a, as a Christian today. As you present that to him, that's the best. That's the fat of the offering. So he says, present the fat of the offering. And in the next, next verse, it says, take the uh, flesh and the hide, that which is hard, that which is, um, well, that which is, which, which is hardened. The, the, the hide re refers to that which is hard, the flesh. That is burnt on the outside of the camp. That's to be taken out of the way. Now let's start with verse 12. Um, now in, I'll read verses 12 through 14 here. And he slew, the speaking of Aaron, he slew the burnt offering, and Aaron's son presented unto him the blood, which he sprinkled round about upon the altar. And they presented the burnt offering unto him with a piece thereof, and the head, and he burnt them upon the altar. Uh, and, he, and he did wash the inwards and the legs, and burnt them upon the burnt offering on the altar. Now, in this particular verse here, these three verses, Aaron is moving in the office of a priesthood. You have him doing certain things, and you have his sons you know, presenting the blood to him. They're doing certain things. Now, in that setting, his sons have to, to come to this uh, thought, or in, in their heart, they have to understand that Aaron is not their dad. See, in this setting, he is not their dad. He is the high priest. He is moving and functioning and working on a different plane, on a different level, a spiritual level that God has called him to. And, and they are not to relate to him after a certain manner. Remember, um, Mary could not relate to Jesus after a certain manner, after the, the, the natural. And so you have this situation here where him and his sons are working together here in this, but yet they have to see him 
in a higher place and a higher position. And I wonder if that's not one of the problems with Nadab and Abihu. Well, my father is the high priest. You know, and, you know, we can be excused doing certain things. But see, they can't view him that way. That, that's, that's a dangerous place to be. Disagreement with this particular order that God has here will result in death. Now, you have the four sons of Aaron working with him here. And it appears on the surface that everything is, is okay. They're, they're, they're working with Aaron. Uh, they're, they're taking the blood and they're giving it to him so he can present the blood. And, and on the surface, in the natural, things look like they're functioning the way they should. But... That does not reveal what is going on in the heart of the individual. So that you can have something going on on the surface that looks fine, that looks correct. It may be even moving according to the law of God. But that which is going on underneath, that's always something different. And the sons of Aaron, we know that there was a manifestation of what was in the heart of Nadab and Abihu at the very end. When we go into the next chapter, there's a manifestation. Here, it looks okay. What's going on looks all right. But with two of the sons... There is something else there going on uh, that is detrimental not only to them but to others. And then you have uh, Eliezer and Ithacar. Those two are moving exactly the same in the natural as Nadab and Abihu, but something is manifest from them that God sees later on and they continue on in the priesthood, and they down in Abihu, you know, don't. So what we're seeing here in the, these few verses doesn't manifest or show what is going on in the hearts of these men. So you put the, the, the uh, robe on, you know, and it looks so holy and it looks so good. But see, what's going on inside, God knows. And either God can reach a person and, and deal with that and change that somehow, some way, or that particular thing will cause trouble and eventually bring them to death, spiritual death. Verse 15. And Aaron brought the people's offering and took the goat, which was uh, the sin offering for the people, and slew it and offered, the sin, offered it for sin as the first. Now the priest is, is functioning in the office of a priest. And because of that, now he can deal with the people's offerings. See, without, and I've said this before, without priests priestly mediation, 
the offerings would not be effective. Turn to Hebrews chapter 5. Priestly mediation is necessary, and priestly mediation done right will bring the effectiveness that God so desired. Now, in chapter 5 of Hebrews, verse 1, For every high priest taken from among men, in a, pay attention to this, um, do you want God to, to use you to help other people? Well, remember, we're talking about a high priest. This verse is saying high priest. And in order for a high priest to be in reality a high priest, they must be consecrated. The level of their consecration has to be, you know, much higher than the average person, than the average Israelite. So if you want God to use you, and I believe that all of you do, then that means that you are going to need to be consecrated unto God or set apart unto God so that He can work in you to the point where now you can minister to other people. See, some people cannot minister to other people because they have not allowed their hearts to be consecrated by God. You know, how can the high priest offer for someone else if he doesn't offer for himself first, as we saw last week in these verses preceding this? So in verse 1 here in Hebrews, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men. See, so your consecration, the consecration of the high priest, is for the purpose of others. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for, for men, in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices uh, for sin. So the gifts would be what we talked about, the first three offerings, voluntary. Sacrifices are the last two, the sin and trespass. In Hebrews 2, it says this, a, speaking of Jesus, a merciful and faithful high priest he was in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. So once again, you see this, you know, the priest, the high priest, and the people ministering to the people. But don't, let, don't forget and don't um, think that there's, there's no consecration involved with the priest. See, that's what he wanted to do with the entire nation of Israel in Exodus 19, that verse we read, where they all all of them would be a nation of priests, or they all would be a nation made up of individuals who were consecrated or dedicated to the Lord. Why? For what purpose? So that through Israel as a nation, the characteristics of the Lord could be seen out from them to the nations that surrounded them 
And, and actually, the opposite <laughs> was the case. They did not manifest uh, the character of God at all. And they died in the wilderness. God could not make them a nation of priests, even though he desired to. Verse, let's go back to Leviticus. Okay, this is chapter 9, verse 16. And he brought the burnt offering and offered it according to the manner or according to the ordinance or according to the instructions that God gave. Now, if you read this, you'll see, even in the earlier verses, uh, verses 3 and 4, you have the burnt offering, the meat offering, the peace offering. Where are we here? Um, Verse 17, you see the same thing. You see the meat offering. You see the burnt offering. And then verse 15 was the sin offering. So you see these three things. See, everything with the priest here has to be correct. God, you know, sets the thing up for a purpose, uh, wanting a certain expression eventually. But, but remember, if you look at this verse here, and even if you look at the offerings, like chapter 1, 2, and 3, you see the burnt offering, which you see here, that he offers up, which deals with surrender and consecration. Then the meat or the meal offering, which you see here also, deals with devotion or commitment. Then you see the peace offering, which deals with fellowship. See, so, so there is to be a, a consecration or a surrender, um, a devotion or a commitment to Him, and then you see the fellowship or then you experience the fellowship with God that, that you want. So, so the same thing here that's going on uh, applies to us as a Christian to where there needs to be a devotion, a commitment, a surrender in our lives, personally, which will bring us to the peace offering or which will bring us into close fellowship or closer fellowship than than we are at this particular time. But you cannot move closer to the Lord. I mean, you can come to the altar, but what's going on here? See, there needs to be a, a consecration There needs to be a devotion or a commitment to Him in order to bring you into the closeness that He has ordained in all this. So, following the instructions here as He's laid it forth for them is important. Because God sets up the arrangement... And the priest has to move in that. The high priest has to move in the arrangement that God has set up so that there is an agreement in his heart with God so that he can be brought into the fellowship that God desires. Verse 17. And he brought the meat offering and took a handful thereof and burned it upon the altar beside the burnt sacrifice of the morning. He slew also the bullock and the ram for a sacrifice of peace offerings, 
which was for the people, and Aaron's sons presented unto him the blood, which he sprinkled upon the altar round about, and the fat of the bullock, and the ram, the rump, and that which covered the inwards, and the kidneys, and the call above the liver. And he goes on. See, there is, there is an orderly progression in these verses. There's a, there's a progression toward the goal. What, what's the goal here for him? What's, what's the purpose behind all these offerings? See, eventually he's going to come and, and offer the sin offering, and there's going to be atonement or covering for the sins. So, so what I want you to see here, that there's an orderly progression toward a goal. In your life as a Christian, whether you're aware of it or not, there is to be an orderly progression. So, so you know, whatever it is that the Lord wants you to respond to today, you respond to that. And then next week, next month, next year, something else comes up and you, and you respond to that. And, and God will use these different things along the line so that you progress toward a goal, just like they're progressing toward a goal here in the sacrifices. There's a goal that God has for your life. Verse 20, And they put the fat upon the breast, and he burnt the fat upon the altar. Now remember, I said that the fat was the part of the offering that God wanted. It was the best of the offering. In, in chapter 3, verse 11, if you read that, it says that it is the food of the offering, the fat, given to God. So uh, if you have ever been in the kitchen, ladies, and been making something and spilled some oil out of the pan, what happens? You have this flare-up. Have you ever had a grease fire in your kitchen? I could tell you a story about that when I was in the Army. Uh, but you get some, some fat, some grease in the fire, and, I mean, you have a big, big flare-up really fast. So the fat brings about, so to speak, a flare-up of the flames or the fire, so that there now is a greater or, or more full or complete or quicker consumption of that which is there. So, so, so giving God what he's looking for, giving him the best, the fat, brings about a greater heat to consume the offering. Now, I hope you understand what I'm saying here without me going any further. For our God is a consuming fire. So when there's the, the offering is there, there is a consuming. And, and that English translation, the word there, is a participle, which reflects the Greek. It means it's, it's a continual thing. And it can get hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter if you put the fat on the altar until that thing is consumed. 
Okay, I think we're going to skip down here because we're running out of time. Verse 21, we'll just read them. And the breast and the right shoulder, Aaron waved. Remember the wave offering. Lord, you provide. He waves it toward the tabernacle. You provide, Lord. And when he brings it back, it's the provision of God. You provide. Lord, I give this to you. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you whatever, Lord. In a wave offering, his arms come back. And that's dealing with the provision of God to him. You give to God, he gives to you. You give to him, he'll provide what you, what you have need for in many different areas. Uh, and Aaron lifted up his hand, hands toward the people and blessed them and came down from offering of the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offering. So here you have the sin offering and the sins of the people now are are taken out of the way. Isaiah says this, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and I will not remember thy sins. It's nice that God does not remember our sins. But remember, he remembers you. He doesn't remember your sin when you come to him, but he doesn't forget you, which is very nice. Verse 23, and Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people. So here you have a successful going in and coming out. Okay, the people are still here being blessed by the actions of the priest. See, see the actions the fulfilling of the priest's function blesses the people. You moving in consecration will bless other people. It's just the way it will be. Somewhere or other. I mean, you may not preach, but that's beside the point. Your consecration will touch other people. It's a pattern in Scripture. Okay, now, verse 23. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. Remember, this doesn't take place before the consecration of the priests. It only takes place after the glory of the Lord appears. Now, all of what's going on, I would love to see... (laughs) You know, all the priests moving around, you know, taking the offering, taking the blood, applying it to the altar, all these activities. There were many activities going on in in the uh, tabernacle at this time. A lot going on. But remember, activity is not to be the focus. But many times, activity... What is going on here on this level becomes what people see, becomes what what they relate to. And God will come now, the one to whom all the activity was directed toward. Now he's going to come and there's going to be a total interruption of all the activity 
Then you will see the glory of the Lord. Now, the one to, to whom all the activity was directed, now he is the one who becomes the focus of the people. So the Lord just comes right in the middle of that whole thing and just interrupts it. I really like that. No more activity now. Now you see the glory of the Lord. Verse 24. And there came a fire out from before the Lord. Now remember, it doesn't come down from heaven. It comes out from before the Lord. And consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat. Remember, whenever they would, would put these sacrifices on the altar, uh, it would take a while for them to be consumed. If you ever had a big roast, or you, how many here have ever gone to a pig roast? A few of us? Yeah. Do you think that the, the pig was done in an hour? They put the pig on, and sometimes it's on all day long, roasting. So, so they, they put the, these offerings, the, the animals, they're putting them on the altar. They're not consumed. There's a lot of them still there. And the Spirit of God comes forth here, and he immediately consumes all of the offering, the meat, the fat, everything which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. Now, that's, that's something. <laughs> I wish I had more time. I'll just say this. Um, the word shouted here. Now, remember, all the people shouted. But see, all the people's heart is not in the same place. The Israelites that came out of the wilderness, or, or came out into the wilderness, the majority of them, their hearts weren't right. Some were, some weren't. The word shouted here, they all shouted, means to give a ringing cry in joy. I'm sure some were very joyful. In exaltation, it can mean exaltation, or it can mean distress. Depending upon where the hearts of the people were, some of them, when they saw that, they weren't saying, Lord, we exalt you. They were in distress. Remember, when uh, they, the people saw the lightning and thundering upon the mountain, it says that the people stood afar off. Why did they do that? See, because of their heart. So in this instance, once again, that which you see on the surface does not necessarily show us, or in this case, does not show us, what is going on in the hearts of the individual. They shouted, but what kind of shout was it? When you come up front and you pray, are you praying because you just sin? Or are you praying because of the presence of the Lord is, is there in a, you know, there's different reasons for everything. There's different reasons for people cry. There's different reasons for people shouting. And they fell on their faces. And the physical reaction here does not reflect what's in the heart either. Remember Paul on the road to Damascus. 
It says that he fell on his face when the Lord appeared. But Paul at that time wasn't consecrated. So, so the actual natural thing that's moving there doesn't really tell you the picture. It'll give you, the, give you the, the whole idea there, what's going on. Now I'll turn in closing real quick to Romans. The Christian is to be sanctified. Jesus said in John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy word, for thy word is truth. In Leviticus 6.12, it talks about the priest setting wood on the altar in order every morning. And it says so that the fire would not go out. So the priest was to make sure that the fire was burning there. Because the fire represented two things, the holiness of God. And it also represented God being there in a, flame of, in a flame, so to speak, ready to receive the offerings of the people for their sin or, you know, a free will offering, whatever offering it was. He was ready, ready to receive that at all times. Keep that fire burning. The only time that fire was out is when they traveled from place to place. Once they, the Levites set up the camp again, that they would get, get the wood and the fire would be burning continually. In the morning, I guess they would stoke it up and, and throughout the day, who knows, I, I don't know, maybe in the evening before everybody retired, they, they put some wood on it again, always to have a perpetual fire there going on. Our God is a consuming fire. He'll, he'll take what we give him. In Romans 12, 1, now I, I like this verse. I didn't always like this verse, and there's sometimes I don't like this verse, but sometimes I like this verse. <laughs> it just depends if you, if you know what I'm saying. You know, it sounds real good until the fire cranks up. Romans 12:1. <clears throat> I beseech you. <laughs> I looked these words up. I have them here in my notes. I'll, I'll tell you some of the meanings to these. <laughs> Paul says, I, I beseech you, or I, I exhort you, or another meaning, which I like, he said, I invite you. Paul's giving an invitation. I want to invite you. <laughs> Therefore, brethren, well, who's brethren? See, we're all brethren, right? He's talking to all of us. By, and he says, I, I beseech you, brethren, therefore, by the mercies of God. Not, not the mercies for you, but that you would have, this is, this is really something. That you would have mercy for other people by, by doing what he's going to say. This is going to show your mercy toward people. Are you interested in helping other people that need help? Well, Paul is going to lay out here in his verse how to do it. I invite you, therefore, by the mercies of God for other people, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Um, that ye present your bodies a living... That, the word living here means to enjoy real life. Paul, you mean to tell me 
that to enjoy real life means that I have to give myself to others as a sacrifice. Well, that's what the word living means. Uh, to enjoy real life, the word sacrifice means victim. It means that, that, it, that you and I are to become the bullock. You and I are to become the sheep. You and I are to become the, the turtle doves or the pigeons, whatever. You and I are to become the offering, a living offering. That, that you live, one of the purposes for your life is to give or to help someone that may need help. Of course, we, we, you understand, in, in the will, will and purpose of God. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable. That means uh, well-pleasing, that God would accept that unto God, which is your reasonable, well-pleasing. Oh, no, re reasonable means true. <laughs> the word reasonable here is a derivative of the word logos. Some of you who know what that Greek word is, logos that you would be the Logos, that would be, that would be your, your life. You know, um, epistles read of all men. Which is your reasonable service. The word service means ministry. It means service, ministry, or the service and worship of God according to the Levitical law. Well, you want, you want this, your life to be a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable worship as compared to the Levitical law, which meant that there is going to be a cutting, a dividing, an opening, a burning, a consuming. Why, why does God go to all this trouble to do all this stuff? Can anybody tell me? Absolutely. He is so concerned for people, other people that, that don't know him, that are not drawn into the closeness that some of us here have enjoyed. He so, so loves them and is concerned about them that he wants to consume things in your life that are going to hinder you from giving to other people and to ministering to other people. You know, I, I was thinking about this, and I said, Lord, <laughs> I'm a failure. I feel sometimes I'm a failure because there isn't enough consumption in my life because sometimes I just, you know, hold on to some, some things. I said, Lord, help me. Help me, Lord, to somehow move in a greater way in this verse. Not that this is some verse here printed in a Bible that we read and say, yeah, I know what that means. No, but this verse somehow, some way, would be to God <laughs> what it is to be from us. A living sacrifice, which is true Worship is another way to say this. Now, I, I have this written in my Bible here. I took some of the definitions and I, I made my own, I paraphrased this verse. 
And we'll close with this. Present your bodies to enjoy real life as a victim or an offering. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is a life that says something to God, which is your service and worship. That's the different meanings coming together in that verse. It's a little longer, but you get the point. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Thou wilt not despise. Now, let me ask you one, one thing, and we're going to turn to John. Why did Jesus live a sanctified life? We'll close with that thought. And the answer is in John 17. Turn with me. Why did Jesus allow or move, however you want to say this, in sanctification? Or why did his life, or why was his life sanctified? What was the purpose behind that? In John 17, 19, And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth, or that they may be truly sanctified. So, so Jesus did what he did. He lived this sanctified life for the purpose that you and I would be sanctified Truly sanctified. And that will be what holds the key toward ministering to others the way God wants. That we personally have been set aside and have allowed the Lord, the fire of God, to do some consuming. So that now what is left is not us, it's more Him. And so now he can flow through us to minister to others. So the, the, the consecration of the high priest was extremely important in, in Leviticus. And our consecration is extremely important. Now we'll continue next week in chapter 10, uh, right where we stopped off today. Shall flow rivers of living.